The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. He's connected. Jason Barrett says, I'd like to see you here. The answer is when, where, what do you need? Respected. He's got a long and distinguished career in the sports radio business. Truly one of the titans of our industry. And unequivocally invested. This is the place to be if you're in the sports business. He is Jason Barrett. And this is the Jason Barrett Podcast. Now bringing you in-depth conversations with the best and brightest in sports media. And shedding light on the industry's biggest opportunities and challenges. Here's the the president of Barrett Media, Jason Barrett. Great to have you here for episode number six of the Jason Barrett podcast. The Jim Rome conversation on episode number five was excellent. Hopefully you had a chance to listen to it. I think we found a way to keep the momentum building because our guest today is someone who I've been a fan of for a long time and have had the pleasure of spending time with on stage in New York at our 2020 BSM Summit. He's not only well-recognized for his work in the sports media business, but his answers on a variety of industry-related issues always stand out and make you think. The great Paul Feinbaum drops by today. That conversation is coming up in just a little bit. A few quick items to touch on before we get to what I've seen or heard. Barrett Sports Media's seven-year anniversary is coming up. We celebrated each year the day after Labor Day since that's when I officially announced the launch of the company back in 2015. For those asking, what about news? We didn't enter that space until September 14th, 2020. So we're coming up on two years of that side of the business as well, just about a week later. I'll have a full column on the website on September 6th, which will look back at some of the growth of BSM. But most importantly, in that column will be the details for when and where we will host our 2023 BSM Summit. I'm very excited about this location. We have a lot of work to do to plan the show. And should we be so fortunate to continue having the industry support on stage, in attendance, and with sponsorships, We'll hopefully be able to put together an awesome fifth conference and spend a lot of time together. I uh, always look forward to those two days. Last but not least, I'm about to embark on a college football tour for the fall. Been wanting to do this for a long time. Stephanie Eads and I are headed to Michigan for the Wolverines home opener on September 3rd. We then traveled to Ohio State on the 10th, LSU on the 17th, and Alabama on the 24th. October includes stops at Penn State, Florida, and Texas, and we wrap up in November with visits to USC and Oklahoma. We'll be occupied taking in games, of course, but if you've got any suggestions of must-see places in some of those cities that you think I should check out, please drop an email, jbarrett at sportsradiopd.com. But enough about that. Let's get into some industry talk. It's time for this week's installment of What I've Seen or Heard. Attention! Attention! Have I got your attention now? Whenever the sports radio industry receives positive press, I'm a fan of it. For too long, this format has been seen as niche, not as vital as music formats by ad agencies and advertisers, and I couldn't disagree more with that perception. As someone who loves music, listens to a lot of it, I can get what I need from YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, 
and Sirius XM. There's very little reason to put on a local music station, especially since the industry started gutting brands and removing the format's top personalities. So last week, when Inside Radio published the piece highlighting sports radio's best brands, I was thrilled. But then after reviewing the story, I became confused. According to the article, the format's top 10 brands were the Sports Hub in Boston, the Fan in Columbus, K-Fan in Minneapolis, the Ticket in Detroit, 101 ESPN in St. Louis, WIP in Philly, the Fan in Cleveland, 92.9 ESPN in Memphis, the Fan in Dallas, and the Fan in Baltimore. I was surprised WFAN in New York and the Ticket in Dallas were not on there, but it is what it is. All of those brands I just mentioned are excellent. They deserve to be recognized. But let me explain where my confusion comes in. These results were all based on Nielsen ratings. Nowhere in the story was there a mention about brand success in streaming sessions, unique video views, web traffic, podcast, app downloads, or social media followings and content engagement. Do we not care about those statistics? Some of the top 10 recognized brands in this piece perform well in those areas too. They would remain in the spotlight, but not all of them do. The reason this should matter, we've spent years talking about the importance of streaming, podcasting, having a great app, video streaming through Twitch, video content creation for YouTube and social media. ESPN and Fox Sports Radio have said repeatedly, they're audio, not radio. Odyssey calls their program directors brand managers, not PDs. If all that matters, though, are radio ratings from Nielsen, then why invest in all of these other areas and do tons of work to make sure we thrive as multimedia brands, not radio stations? I've mentioned this before. We haven't done a lot of sports radio rating stories on our website during the past year. It's not because I don't love doing it, care about it, or because it doesn't produce traffic. In fact, it always delivers. The issue is this. If we keep promoting success or failure for brands based on a radio ratings performance, which many in programming circles, by the way, don't trust and agree is flawed and broken, then we're complicit in extending that problem. Multiple TV networks have changed measurement partners in the past two years. The online world supplies data which is far superior to what radio receives. And as much as I study and enjoy the challenge of helping brands elevate their ratings, if that's the only metric used to judge growth, prepare to be disappointed. We're heavily invested in podcasts, apps, streaming, video, websites. We refer to our brands as multimedia outlets and our people as brand leaders. Maybe it's time we stop focusing on ratings wins and start examining the collective reach and power of this format and its best brands. The ratings may look good, but they're not as nearly impressive as the full picture. Well done, sir. If you have a comment or question based on what I just said, you can find me on Twitter at SportsRadioPD. You can also email me, jbarrett at SportsRadioPD.com. Now it's time for our featured conversation, and this week's guest, Paul Feinbaum, always provides interesting takeaways whenever we chat about the industry. 
Our conversation covered the Big Ten media rights deal, Stephen A. Smith's new podcast, the value of callers, and much more. And you can hear everything we discussed starting now. Yo, listen! You know, obviously, I think the place we got to start, Paul, is if you look around, the biggest news story the last two weeks has been the Big Ten media rights deal. And so as someone who is recognized for their influence on college football, being a big part of that conversation, I think that's where I want to start. First, your reaction to the deal the Big Ten wound up getting, and then ultimately how you think it influences future negotiations with other conferences. I think it's breathtaking, Jason, to see what happened there and really to try to interpret and digest what it means. Uh, I say that because it's it was so big, it was so powerful, it was so overwhelming. And on top of that, it, it changes the landscape of, of college football dramatically, where until then, you know, you had the Big Ten and the SEC, but the SEC was was perceived to be the only person at the top of the hill. And now here comes Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. And it, it changes everything. Uh, in the span of a week, uh, we went from you know hearing all the platitudes about the SEC commissioner to uh, HBO describing uh, Kevin Warren is the most powerful man in college football to to see the, the you know him on the cover of, of Sports Business Journal. And, and it's a dramatic week. And I think he, he deserves tremendous credit because I, I can't think of anybody in the last two years and a couple of weeks that has taken more shots than Kevin Warren, especially after he shut college football down in the Big Ten and ultimately the Pac-12 two years ago. Were you surprised at the amount they were able to get for this deal? Yes. Uh, I, I say that, Jason, because if you go back uh, two years ago, uh, we thought the world was coming to an end with COVID. Uh, whether, whether it was news or sports, it didn't matter. It, it just didn't seem imaginable that you could go out and make all these things happen. And then the NFL did it uh, first, which I think broke the door down for everyone else. And here comes college football. And I I also like how I like the model. And I know this sounds crazy coming from someone where I sit. I'm sitting here in an ESPN studio. Uh, but I like the fact that Kevin Warren has taken the NFL Roger Goodell model and has has divvied it all up. Uh, I don't like how we got to that point. I mean, I, I, I'm still laughing uh, at the other day when we passed the one year anniversary of the alliance between the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12 and the ACC. Only the Big Ten uh, prospered from that and left the other two commissioners on the side of the road uh, practically dead. But other than that, I mean, it's business. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you got to go gangster every once in a while, don't you? Yeah. Listen, hey, if, uh, if it works for the NFL, that's not a bad model to follow. I want to ask you and put make it a little uncomfortable for a second, because I remember a few years ago, your name coming up in conversation with Fox. And there was this rumor out there about wanting to put the Paul Feinbaum show on the Big Ten Network. And, and so I'm just going into my revisionist <laughs> history, and I'm going, if the Big Ten had been part of that portfolio, would Paul Feinbaum have looked at that differently? Because obviously when they've got the power of games behind them like that, it does change the overall package. Jason, I'm going to do to you what, all, what a lot of coaches have done to me when you ask a really tough question. You're going to give me a Nick Saban they response. Say, Man, Jason, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, listen, it, it is a great question, and it's one I was not expecting, so I'm very upset uh, with, without having read that in advance. And I, and I, and I should expect no less from you, uh, which makes me respect you even more. Um, 
I, I yeah, I think it would have uh, had they been in that position at the time, it would have my eyes would have been pretty wide open. Uh, I can't deny that. Right. I mean, uh, listen, we're all we're all for hire. You know, the best packages are yeah. all out there, and if somebody adds to it, it obviously changes things. Now, now, now Jason, this is where I'm supposed to say I have the greatest job in the world. Uh, you know, blah 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 blah. But uh, I'll, I'll spare you on that. Okay? Like a pro football player, you know, I just want to thank <laughs> the man above for putting me in this great position, right? <laughs> So let, let's talk about, you know, ESPN obviously uh, has got a relationship now, an official one with the SEC, which many people consider the premier conference in all of uh, college sports. Is there anything you could do on your show in the past that you can't now because of that relationship? No, I think it's the same. And I say that because in, in terms of the SEC network, which is where I do the show every day, uh, it's been a partnership with the Southeastern Conference since uh, August 14th, 2014, when this this network launched and this show launched on on the network. It's uh, it's always a, it's always an interesting uh, kabuki dance. Uh, I mean, you you know me pretty well, yep. and I I struggle with with uh, with. You know, with constraints around me, uh, but you have to accept that going in that you know, this it is it is a partnership and it's an equal partnership. But I I, I try to always walk on the wild side. And uh, have I been called in a few dozen times? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think I ask be. you about that. So when you do go off on a SEC, let's just use them as the example, and it it's a fiery take. People are reacting. The boss calls. What's that conversation like? It depends. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, more than a couple of years ago, if you remember when Les Miles was about to get fired at LSU, yeah. uh, he, he wasn't. I was on SportsCenter the next morning, and uh, I'll never forget Hannah Storm said, what do you make out of all this? I said, I think they were firing the wrong guy. They, the person they should have fired was Joe Oliva, uh, the athletic director. And I, you say stuff like that, and you go, okay, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, until about 20 minutes later, you, you look at your phone and there's one of these ESPN, ESPN alerts and you think, OK, well, what's, it's, it's Sunday. It's the NFL. May, you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is hurt or Brady. And, I, and it says breaking news. Paul Feinbaum calls for uh, LSU athletic director to be fired. And I will say this about Joe Oliva. He couldn't take a joke. Uh, he immediately called the commissioner of the SEC, who immediately called my boss, Stephanie Drilly, who immediately called me in. And I just I said, hey, I was asked a question. Uh, it was on SportsCenter. I mean, what am I supposed to say? And to her credit, she I don't think she said another word. <laughs> I mean, a little known secret. I don't think anybody really liked Joe Oliva. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> that certainly I, yeah. helps. Right. But those things happen. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I try to be a little more careful when I'm on the SEC network. Uh, I've gotten in trouble more on the more on the more on the mothership, so to speak, than I have uh, where at least I can see the sensors at both at both entrances to the studio. <laughs> I want to switch gears uh, and get into some things about your career and your approach and your future. So for starters, walk me through a day and Paul Feinbaum's world. What are you listening to, watching, reading as you prep the show? And how do you ultimately decide this is the lead of the show versus this is three or four minutes of time in the show? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like everybody. You get up and you start pouring through uh, endless things. I am a former newspaper person. So I'll say this. I, I comb through countless newspapers, whether online or 
in my driveway. I'm we, we still I don't know. I, I don't. It's not a matter of the fact that when we got to town, we ordered all these newspapers. I just don't think there's anyone to call to cancel them right now because nobody <laughs> works at these places. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I read everything. I, I'm a big news junkie. So I, I don't quote me on this, Jason, please. But when I get up, I'm, I'm watching the news channels, especially mm-hmm. probably in the last five years when mm-hmm. when I'm when we've had a more interesting uh cycle out of Washington, maybe in the past. So I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah. I, I keep up with the sports. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to act like I, I don't ever do that. And, and, I'll, and, you know, once, you know, part of the year I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff for the network anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm watching, you know, if I'm, if I'm about to be on with Greenberg, uh, I do want to see, you know, what he has on that day. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, but it's a constant motion. I, I don't, I am not one of these. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always prepared for an interview, but I'm not combing through, uh, thousands of words because I really like to uh, more react to people. As far as the show, uh, depending on the time of the year, the the summer is is hard. I mean, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, but that's when the wackiness of the of, of our show probably goes into overdrive when there's not a lot to react to. But the, the football season's really easy. It's, How do it's, you decide what's going to be the lead of hour one versus the lead of hour two versus what gets two minutes of a mention? Yeah, I mean, we, we have a really great team here, uh, and I, I, I try not to. Uh, I mean, I I'm I feel I'm more on the creative side than I am on on the on the programming uh, and the facilitating, uh, because I, I I I I I obviously I'm part of it, but uh, I I try not to tell producers who know a lot more about television uh, what to do than I am. Uh, but then what I, I just let them run the show. Um, where where I. Uh, you know, where, where I have to go to work is with the callers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the challenge because sometimes they're great and sometimes they make news. Uh, and sometimes they just want to see how they want to ask how I am. And right. I say, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? And it sounds like, you know, you're about to get that, that first date when you're 15 years old, when you're calling the, the young lady up and, and you're afraid to ask the question about, you know, will you go to the party with me on Friday night? You know what's interesting? I uh, I caught your appearance on Brian Curtis's podcast with The Ringer, and you were talking about the value of callers. And anyone who's listened to your show knows that's a big part of what you do. You've always had a great connection with your audience. And you acknowledged in that interview that, you know, there are a lot of people in the industry who wouldn't agree with taking calls. And, you know, like I've done it both ways. And one thing I've always told talent is, I'd rather hear someone's voice than hear a host read a text or a tweet. It's more entertaining. And I remember I was um, talking to Mike Francesa a few years ago, and he said, (laughs) you know, when someone calls a show, they go from being a listener to a part of the show. And there's now a new experience that they have with the host that makes them feel more connected. I thought that was a really good point. When it comes to calls and hearing how some feel that's not a good omen for a show, what do you think some of those people are either ignoring or missing. They don't understand. And it doesn't matter whether it's Colin Cowherd or Jim Rome or, or anybody else. Uh, maybe they do understand, but th- th- I don't think they quite accept how important being on a program is to people out there. And, 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 and I know people will say, well, you can't let one person in, 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 in the middle of Iowa dictate what you do. But that one person to me represents so many more. Yep. Uh, and when 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 you when you have a show that's heard nationally, like like ours, uh, everybody matters. Um, and 
that person, everyone can relate to that. And it's, and I, and I'm just a big believer in that. I, I started in local radio, as you know, and that was how we were able to build it. And I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, try to con anybody saying, you know, we have this community and it's a fan, but it is, uh, I think in our particular case, because we are probably the most caller driven national show there is. And, and I, I know people say, well, I want to hear you. Well, I don't think I'm that hard to hear uh, on a four hour (laughs) show that's on, that's on every day of the week. Uh, but I, I also don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, uh, Colin, uh, or, or some of these guys that have these cute, uh, cute takes. I mean, yeah, I, I wrote a newspaper column for a long time. I'm, I'm, am I capable of it? Sure. But I don't really want to do it. I, I, I am much more interested in hearing from people. And I think as a result, uh, you know, we have this uh, unique ability to relate. And, and, I, and you, you may have heard me on that podcast or somewhere else uh, say that, that I've, I've given countless eulogies at funerals of callers because there is that connection. And, and, and I want that to continue as long as we're on the air. You know, another part, another area I should say where you can connect is obviously social media. And I know in the past you had said your future could be in Twitter spaces, right? And then you you did one recently. And so on that afterwards, you're like, man, this is a lot of fun. This is almost sometimes more fun than my afternoon show, right? <laughs> because you get that instant uh, engagement. And obviously we're all in the social space. It's a massive part of our daily habit. You know, that being said, getting top talent to move into a Facebook world, a Twitter world, a TikTok world, or any of these other platforms and see a bright future there from an economic standpoint, a a profile standpoint, isn't necessarily easy for talent down the road to look at paths to some of these tech platforms as a viable option versus an ESPN, a Fox. what, What has to change? Outside, well, outside I, I, of money, obviously. Yeah, um, I did. I did the Twitter spaces, and, and I, I don't think my future is any longer in Twitter spaces. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, uh, and I really I like the idea of looking down. And when we did this a week ago, uh, I saw Holly Rowe from ESPN, and I'm like, going, I have to go to Holly Rowe. I just can't let her sit there as a. So I mean, that part I really did have fun with, uh, but I just don't think I. I mean, I much prefer walking walking into a studio yeah. uh, than than staring at my phone uh, for four hours. But but I I, I think I still don't. I am not going to go all in on that. Uh, I really am not. Uh, I think there is a there is a, a an avenue for all of that. But I still think what happens here every day and and what happens uh, across the dial, whether uh, it, it's television or radio, is it, still more easily consumed than that all of us going crazy over uh, what, what is a very successful uh, platform, where, whether it's TikTok or, or Twitter. Um, I much prefer looking down at Twitter while I'm talking to an audience than only talking to Twitter. Right. Well, and listen, you know, everybody talks about streaming and, it, oh, you're going to have to go into a streaming world. I'm like, well, advertisers are just going to move over there. <laughs> Viewers are just going to move over there. The model is what keeps it you know, lucrative for everybody. As long as the dollars follow and the eyeballs or ears follow, you still remain vibrant. That's all that matters, right? It's it's about being able to reach an audience, monetize an audience. As long as you do that, it's uh, it, there's a path to success. The hard thing with a lot of these tech spots, building an audience is great. You could do that, but can you monetize it? 
you know? Yeah. And, and, and Jason, you understand that this part of the business better than I do, but I, I can't tell you how many friends I know who have left mainstream to go into some streaming podcasting uh, platform and they may be making a lot of money. I just, but they might, they may as well be in the witness protection program though. And, <laughs> and, and to me, if you don't have a, a relevant position in the market in some way, shape or fashion, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I mean, it matters if you're making money, but you won't be making money for long if I can't right. figure out where you are. Right. You know, what's interesting. I was thinking back to when we shared the stage in New York two weeks before the world shut down. I timed it perfect. Right. And when we were on stage, you, you said one of the most candid, best answers I've had ever with a, with a uh, guest on stage. When I asked you, you know, about the future of the industry and what you would advise somebody to do if they're thinking about a path and you said, I would consider a different line of work, right? You, you weren't <laughs> sold on, on this being that. a great idea for, for a young person. I'm curious if you see the dollars that are coming into sports, especially the last two years after the pandemic, is your position changed on that? Or you still think it's a bad idea for young talent? No, I, 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 I have changed. And, and, and I, and I'm not an economist, uh, nor am I chairman of the federal reserve, but, I, I am I am truly stunned uh, at, at this reversal because uh, I know a lot of people, uh, Jason. I think I think all of us were were doing such soul searching at that at that point in time. I mean, just a, where I work. I mean, I, I heard it, I saw it. You reported it. Uh, everyone else went through the same thing. Um, I I I think it's a, I think radio in particular is a very challenging vehicle because I, I think, <laughs> and I said it that day, and I don't I didn't have a lot of people patting me on the back when I left. I think there's terrible mismanagement radio, uh, flat out. Uh, I, I've worked at some of the biggest uh, radio companies in the world, uh, and I, I have, quite frankly, been amazed at, at the le at the level of incompetence. And that that's really what I was going at. And, yep. and I and I, I think there's a, there's a tremendous lack of respect for talent, uh, especially as you work your way down. Uh, to the regional and, and local markets. And that, that was really my point. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, I, I've seen it. I, I mean, I, I've been fortunate in the industry. So uh, I, I've seen, <laughs> this will sound crazy. I've seen how they treated me. Uh, I, I, so if that's how they're treating someone who is, was, was on, 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 the, on, the, on the track moving forward, uh, it's scary to think how they're treating uh, young people who, who are not in the in a in a more in a position of influence, and you know what's frightening about it is there are good operators who do the right thing, but there are also to what you're alluding to. You know, I tell my son who's now in college, you know, if you're going to Hofstra for four years to come out of there with two hundred thousand dollars in debt to be a board op making minimum wage, right? You need to be looking at different things. And you know, I, I've long used this this uh, example. Like you work on a TV show. How many people work on your show staff wise to make it what it is? There's quite a few. Um, you know, there, there are probably a dozen people in, in the control room at any given time. But, but here's you know, the point. So yeah. you've got a dozen people creating this television radio simulcast. Right. And then right. you go into a local market and it's here's the talent. Paul Feinbaum walks in and hopefully he's prepared because right. we've got one guy down here who just got out of college and he's exactly. a producer and board op. And so you're really flying without a net. You got no real support. And I remember when I worked on the Dan Patrick show, we had a team of six people. This is why the show was a national right. success. And so many times 
that, you know, the value is, well, the host can do a read so we can make money on him, but what can we do with the producer and the board op and the imaging guy? Nothing. So we're not going to pay those positions. And at some point, like if you have great talent, you got to invest in staff around that great talent to make that show great. That's why TV does such a good job with a lot of its premier shows is because there are a lot of smart people working on these shows. Unfortunately, radio doesn't have the TV money. And so the, trim at the area which literally puts the host in position they got to do everything and it's it's not always the best you know strategy for being successful unfortunately no true and and i i haven't really changed my my mind about that now again i i i don't want to make my entire radio career out to be a bad experience it wasn't uh but i but it, it truly was remarkable and i, I worked at uh probably three of the bigger companies. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not even concentrated here on ESPN radio, which we have an affiliation with, but, but I I technically do not work for them, but, but even, even look at ESPN radio. I don't, I don't need to tell you. I, I, all I have to do is read your, uh, your publication every day to talk about the turnover just in in that, in that space alone, since I've been at the company in the, in the last nine, nine years. Yep. Well, listen, it's uh, unfortunately it happens across the industry. And, you know, I don't know, uh, outside of like continue to invest in people and believe in the product and, you know, pivot where the dollars are going. That's what people have to do at a higher level. I want to ask you, you had Stephen A. Smith on recently where he (laughs) talked about he would run for president and uh, if he could get enough support to win. Right. Because Stephen A. don't like to lose. And it was interesting. You were talking earlier. You mentioned that when I asked you about prep, you, you will pay attention to the news cycle and, you know, especially the last five years. And obviously he's into that because recently it was announced he's going to do a podcast for Odyssey where he's going to talk about politics, entertainment, you know, crime, justice, all these different things. And I'm just curious because I'm sure you have opinions on a variety of things beyond sports and you probably pick a spot here or there where you could get it in, but you don't primarily make that a a calling card for Paul Feinbaum on the air, you know, and here's the thing, even though you could say it's separate, anyone who knows the brand that Stephen A. Smith knows first take, he's got a big social following. They're going to know he's doing a podcast talking about things that could blur the lines. Um, And I'm curious just from your standpoint, because there's some talent that have done that extremely well. Clay Travis been on your show plenty of times and in the past, and he's obviously built a good profile, but there were also examples of talent who've went down that road, you know, playing in the sports world, playing in the, uh, the political world, and it's hurt them. So I'm curious, just from your vantage point, why you think it's a smart move or not a smart move to be in, in both of those spaces? I don't think it's a smart move, Jason. Uh, and I say that as someone, uh, and I think you know, I truly love Stephen A. Uh, we are close friends. Uh, and the idea of, of him coming on the other day was to talk about his book to yeah. kind of help launch it. I didn't intend for the lead to get buried by his <laughs> announcement uh, for president. But I think it's a, I think it's a serious risk uh, because I, you know, the base of, of our show is is in NASCAR country. It's in the South. And the politics of that is, is self-explanatory. Uh, and I've never discussed, uh, I, let me say, I've, in, in, the, in the last 20 some odd years, I've never discussed politics. I used to, I used to follow Rush Limbaugh yep. uh, on a news talk station and, and you had to talk, you, you couldn't avoid it. I mean, you, right. had, you had three hours uh, and you, the audience, it took an hour or two for the audience to calm down. So uh, it did bleed in. 
Uh, but I don't, I don't anymore, and I, and I certainly haven't since I've been at ESPN because I thought we were precluded from discussing politics. <laughs> I thought, um, uh, but I, I think Stephen A. Stephen A. may be the exception, right? Uh, because you know he he is an entity within him himself. He's got such a big, big brand. Yeah, but I've always thought, knowing him, that that only I, I can't believe I'm about to make this statement. But but only a guy who makes twelve million dollars a year, according to what I read in in, in Barrett the other day, uh, and is the biggest name at ESPN and is the biggest name in the industry, still seems restless uh, with with talking about the stupidity of, of Kevin Durant every day. I, I I think he he needs more, and whether that's a good idea or not, I I, I don't think it is. Uh, he 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 uh, he did Kimmel one night as the host. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. he's funny. Yeah, uh, he is. Does he does he need to do all the things that he does? No, of course not. He's a smart guy. He doesn't have to scream. He doesn't have to to turn everything into high drama. But that's who he is right now. Listen, it's interesting. He's as you said, he's probably the one exception who can you know do that. But I I, I wonder the same thing. Like, what's the risk versus the reward? Um, I want to ask you. Speaking of uh, a risk. Somewhere down the road, some executive at ESPN is going to have to make a tough call because I, I'm sure you saw the athletic poll. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want Lee Corso replaced whenever he decides it's time, right? If, if Paul Feinbaum is asked, give us the one guy we should be looking at. If Lee wasn't here tomorrow, we had to put in that chair. Given your college football acumen and knowing who moves the needle, who would be the one person you're putting your vote behind? Jason, there isn't a replacement for Lee Corso. Uh, and I think that's the, the most substantive answer I could give you because what he has done is so iconic yep. uh, that the next person will fail. Uh, I did that. I did game day one year. Uh, my, my first year, they, the SEC network had not started and Lee Fitting just figured we have to put the guy, we have to, we're paying the guy. Let's, Put him on game day, oh. uh, and and I studied Corso, and and even then, uh, you know, he had he had just re- uh, recovered was recovering from a stroke. What he does at the end of that program is masterful. Uh, it's it's one it's one of a kind, and you know, you put Nick Saban doing that, or Mac Brown, or Lane Kiffin, or Pat McAfee, and I will tell you right now, though, they will all fail. Uh, you cannot replace Lee Corso. I'm going to wrap up with you in a second, but I, I've got to ask you, you've been doing this a long time, very successful, still red hot on TV when, when you're doing the show. How much longer do you want to do this? You've been, a, you've been doing it for a very long time. You've got to have some point down the road where you go, all right, do I need to do this every single day of my life? Anyone who, who reaches their mid-60s or older and says, that I've never thought about that is – is a complete liar. Uh, you you have to think about it. And I and yeah, I've I mean, I, there was a moment uh, I toyed with uh, becoming a professor, <laughs> and I really did. And I, I haven't ruled that out yet, but I also haven't ruled it in. Um, <laughs> I, I am uh, at heart a writer. I'm, I'm I'm I just agreed to a new a book deal where I you know that will that satisfy me? All these things are great, but they don't replace th- this. And 
And I, I will spare you the Nick Saban line. I'll do it as long as they'll have me. I mean, that, that might be the end of the day. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think you do know uh, one day you, you reach a point. Most of the time it ends badly. I mean, I've covered so many bad endings to coaching careers that I, I'm not I, I am I am not uh, naive enough to think that this one will end well. Uh, and frankly, th does it even matter? Uh, I asked that question. We all say, well, we want to go out with grace. Most people you're. Does anyone remember who was coaching five months ago in Durham, North Carolina? Mike Shashevsky. I mean, yeah. people. I mean, I mean, I I study this because uh, it, it's part of my. my I'm, I'm a history buff, but most people get forgotten about the next day anyway. Jason. Yep. Um, and yeah, my my wife's a physician, and she always talks about the, the great doctors that she's known that have retired, and she said their waiting rooms are still filled up the next week because there's another doctor seeing you or me or, or your family members and mine. And, and that's how I feel about this. Uh, I, I, I can be replaced at any moment. Um, the long answer to a very short question is I really am not interested in leaving now. I'm going to wrap with you on this. You, uh, you've got a TV pilot that was sold to ABC. <laughs> you just consider that it's sitting on a Disney shelf and they'll get to it when they do? Or do you actually, are you the guy behind the scenes going, where are we at on Project Feinbaum? I lived through that for two years. Uh, and and then COVID happened. Uh, ABC did buy the, uh, buy, buy the, the pilot. Um, and in fact, I think, uh, you, you remember Jason Biggs, who was in the American yep. uh, uh, Pie American series? Pie, yep. he, he agreed to do, uh, to play me. Now people are saying, Aren't you? Isn't he a little young? I was supposed to be about 40 in the pilot. And it was exciting. I mean, we had uh, as COVID began, I did more Zoom calls with, with Jason Biggs. And one day he asked me, he said, uh, he said, so what have you been doing lately? I said, sadly, I've been I've had to watch every one of your movies because my <laughs> wife is just like falling in love with you. Um, and uh, I don't I am. It's sitting there. Uh, please call. Uh, Call uh, Mr. Chappick if you want to uh, ask him uh, what's going on, because I don't know. Uh, it will probably still be sitting there the next time I see you. Uh, <laughs> but it uh, it was an amazing experience to go to go uh, out to Hollywood and to try to, to uh, meet with all the different executives. Well, listen, we're getting ready for obviously a college football season, which I know you're pumped up for. Hell of a show, heck of a run, radio, TV. Always enjoy chatting with you, give great answers on a lot of questions. And, uh, Look, the beauty of the sports media world is always something to talk about, right? So hopefully the next time uh, we catch up, we've got 10 or 12 new questions to have some fun with. Jason, it's always a pleasure. You are uh, such a cool guy to, to know. I, I, I still cherish that memory on that late February day, uh, two weeks before COVID. Uh, I thought I thought that was going to be the last trip I ever made in my life, uh, at, and, and I was with you. But uh, thank you for having me and, uh, and continued great success. Thank you for listening to the Jason Barrett Podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, YouTube, or wherever you consume podcasts. And to stay in touch with Jason, follow him on Twitter at Sports Radio PD or read his columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.